Well, folks, here we come up. The first uh, this weekend is going to be October 1st, I think, Sunday. Their new bow season uh, coming in. And uh, a lot of you guys know that we're we're pretty big on, on whitetail hunting here. Tell you what, stay tuned into this podcast because if you're one of those guys that are looking for that next new level, a trick, a bag of tricks to have, uh, listen to our next guest and what we're going to be talking about. But, hey, I'm George Lynch with Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Dan Young is going to be our guest this week, and and Dan's agreed to sit in with me and, and to talk about something that we both feel pretty strong on, that's as the mock scrapes. But hey, Dan, thank you for sitting in with us today. What's up, Georgie? It's another day in paradise, brother. Another yeah. day in paradise. No, at uh, this is that time of year normally. I'm already ahead of the game and, and, and got my mock scrapes going, but uh, you're a big mock scrape guy, aren't you, Dan? Oh, I love mock scrapes. Absolutely. You know, um, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, there's two things that, you know, you, you learn through the years is, is, is locations of your mock scrapes, but, you know, also finding the, the right, the right stuff for the right product out there that you have confidence in. And Dan, you kind of hooked me up here last year, dread me in the direction of, of pure whitetail. And uh, I got to use it for the first time last year. And you're right. It was the real deal stuff. Oh, it's great stuff. Larry and Philip uh, introduced me to pure whitetail probably four years ago, George. I mean, I've been, I tried, I'll be honest with you folks. I tried mock scrape and I've been doing this hunting thing for 35 years and I've been doing the radio shows for 26 years. So, I mean, I I've heard and I've heard and tried a lot of stuff over those that time. And I hadn't had a lot of, uh, I won't say the name of the company, but I tried using other deer products that I got at the store and I would go out and I'd apply, you know, try to be scent free as possible, wear gloves, wear my hunting boots, not trying to leave a lot of scent, get on a trail, get on a travel corridor or a pinch point or, in a corner of a food source and try to establish a mock. And I just never really had any luck with it, to be honest with you. And then Philip and Larry came up to Iowa, uh, like I said, several years ago, and we were out, we, uh, we got a hunting piece of hunting ground together and we started uh, going out and putting up cameras and everything. And uh, Philip was over there making a scrape. I said, what are you doing there? P Vitty? And he goes, I'm putting out my pure white tail. That's what I'm doing, Dan. And, uh, Am I seeing something fly across the screen in front of you? I don't know. What is that? That's weird. Okay, yeah. never mind. So anyway, um, so I said, okay. And then Larry goes, you don't know about pure whitetail? And I said, well, I've heard of it, but he goes, come here. And uh, so we all we made a mock scrape, uh, and I put my uh, Tacticam reveal camera up, and we went around the corner, went and established two more scrapes uh, on a good scrape line, and we got back to the truck and I, as God is my witness, uh, we were probably a two from the time we started that one on the North fence to the time we got back around was probably maybe two hours. And I already had deer hitting that scrape. Wow. And I said, that's, that's crazy. And I've been using it ever since. And, uh, I'm just, I've been very, very happy with it. It works. And for decoy and deer, we'll get into that probably later. Huh? But, uh, that's all I use anymore is, uh, I'll use, uh, that my, the pure whitetail cash and a wind scent unit, or I'll use the, uh, premium buck dust and inside my D my Dave Smith, uh, buck decoy. Cause that stuff's money. Uh, you, you know, you brought up a good point there that talking about, uh, 
you know, using the scent and then and, and using it in conjunction with a decoy. Do you majority of the time when you're using this and, and you're hunting over your scrapes, do you majority of the times hunt with the decoy or without a decoy, or does it depend just on that time of year? It's it's the time of the year. I I, I don't really try to get excited about decoy hunting till like the 25th, 26th of October. You know, I'll I'll uh I'll take my decoy down this time of year. I'll probably do it uh, here next week and I'll give it a good, uh, uh, I'll take that pure whitetail, uh, uh, scent, scent spray and I'll don't use dirt. Use just not use the non-scented regular, uh, scent suppressant spray folks. Don't, you don't want to put a dirt smell on, on your buck decoy, but I'll, I'll wash it really good. And then I'll take it out to the farm where I'm going to hunt George. And then I'll just leave it for a week and let it weather because I want it to smell like the woods. I want it to be like it's actually belongs there. So I'll cover it up with branches or, you know, I'll hide it whichever way I can. So nobody takes it from me. But, uh, and then when I get out there, uh, if I'm hunting around the 25th, 26th, I'll take that premium buck dust and I'll put that inside the cavity. And then about a foot behind it, I'll either run, uh, the Winsent 2.0 unit with, uh, that premium, the pure whitetail, uh, cash scent, which is their, which is their dominant buck scent. I'll put that on a three-minute cycle and let that heat up and get into the wind column. If I don't do that, then I'll just take the I'll take the premium buck dust, which is the powder. They call it dust, and I'll put it on Milo stubs or corn stubs, whatever I'm hunting around, and uh, I'll just put that a foot behind. So, because most of the time, a mature buck's going to circle downwind of that decoy so they can smell them. Right? They're going to come in. They're going to approach that way, and then they'll come around. They want to make that eye contact. They'll they'll start going that sideways thing and getting all getting all gomered right. up, and then that's when you'll have your shot. But uh, Larry, 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 well, sold me you, on that. Go what ahead. What were you talking about? Is something about the beads? You're eating beads up. Was there? Uh, you don't know what a wind scent unit is? No. Okay, boy, we got some educating to do to you. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Winsent uh, is a company that's uh, fourth arrow camera arms. Then they have Winsent. Uh, they got Final Rest. Uh, great companies. Um, a Winsent unit is. I don't think I have my Winsent here. I think it's outside already. It's a. It's a. It's a tube, electronic tube, and then you got your. Uh, you got your. Uh, you got these scent cartridges that's full of deer. Deer premium, uh, like deer. I think the one I use is called cash. It's from a deer. That's the name of the deer. They got the, they get the urine from, and you screw that cartridge in and it heats it up. You know how, you know what vaping those vape pens are where you see people vaping and that big cloud of steam or smoke comes out. It's the same thing. It, it heats that cartridge up and it emits a vapor up into the wind column. I'll be darned. And it with with it being heated at the molecular level, that stays in that wind column for up to three, 400 yards. Okay. And you, it's got a little programmer on it. You can set it to go one minute or three minute, or you can, you can hit the remote and do it manually. So you got it. You see a deer that's down one of you coming out. You can hit that a couple of times and let that disperse. I wow. usually, I usually set it up for like every three minutes, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And it, you can usually get, you know, two or three days of hunting on one recharge. You just charge it and you just throw it in your pack. I put a little tripod on it and I set it up about two or three feet from the deer and I let it roll. But, uh, you know, like I said, we, I go ahead and Larry and with what Larry and Philip taught me is I take that premium buck dust and I'll put it inside the deer cavity. There's a, there's a big hole underneath that buck decoy from Dave Smith and you can chunk all that powder, that dust in there. 
And man, I tell you what, it looks like a Skittle bag because all the dust is different colors. You know, sometimes yeah. it's blue, sometimes it's red. It looks like a big bag of Skittles. But man, I tell you what, I've I've had tremendous luck with that the last several seasons. And just spraying that up into the cavity. Yeah, you just turn the buck decoy upside down and powder it in there and just put it up on your on your stand. And uh, if they come down, that's that scent's going to come radiate out of that deer. And wow. uh, yeah, it works really good. That is a great idea. I, uh, that's something I learned new. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, mind. I, I learned from Philip and Larry. I, I mean, total disclosure. I just they, see that's why I hunt with good hunters. See, I always pick stuff up, even though I'm what, bow hunting forever. You're never too old to learn, right? Well, exactly, and 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 not everything is 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 a hundred percent sure, but there's always a basis, and sometimes of putting the odds into your your favor. You know, I'm not saying that a decoy all all you know works every time. And yeah. like you, it seems to be that the time of the year of, I've, I've tried to use it when I, if I was hunting an area that if, you know, because of uh, the small woodlots and everything, it, it isn't like Michigan when we had the, the bigger woods and the bigger swamps here, you know, you can, it's like Southern Illinois, you go in and if you bump these deer, a lot of times it's a domino effect because this woodlot isn't that big and or if it's a fence row and of course those deer kind of go and bump one another and keep the domino thing going so I, that's what i tried to use in my favor and i and and you know we're talking the first week of october and anytime it's before that rut and, and it's been about a 50 50 it worked or it actually was a hindrance to you know to me uh starting early I never really have had before the rut, you know, going early, had had a, what I call mature deer come in and aggressive to the decoy like you do during the rut or that pre-rut. Well, it's what's nice is, see, I get out there in June or late June or July and I'll start, I'll start making those mocks. And what's nice about that, you get those deer, you know, deer and a lot of people, it's a, a lot of people don't know this and I, I didn't, if I would, honestly, if I wasn't doing the radio shows for a living, I, I probably wouldn't have known it either, but just by having biologists on for over, you know, on the radio three or four times a year, every year, deer will use a scrape or uh, they'll tender a scrape all year round. Okay. It's just not during the rut. It, they, that's their, that's their social media. That's their Facebook. That's how they check in with the residential deer. They'll leave, they'll leave their uh, scent, you know, when they're rubbing or, They'll pee in it or they'll, you know, they'll scent check just to see what's going on. Now, as we get closer to the rutting activity, though, everything kind of picks up. I mean, it gets more noticeable and they start, they start monitoring and running those scrape or checking those scrapes every day instead of like once a week or whatever, it, it intensifies. Right. So what I like to do is get out there in June or first after 4th of July and I'll get out there and I'll, I'll take a, I'll, I'll, when I set my trail cameras up, cause I want to see what my residential deer looks like, what I've, I take an inventory of what I got running around and I'll put a mock scrape out there and I'll use a premium buck dust. I think there's a, there's another uh, scent that's called mesmerize. Uh, it's a, it's in a, like a blue, like a blue powder. We've been using that on, on the licking, on the licking branches and stuff, but I'll take that premium buck dust and I'll put it down into the scrape. I'll make about a three, two, three foot scrape get all the grass and everything out and just uh, take a big branch or whatever I can to rake it out. And then I'll put that premium buck dust down. Um, you can hang a hemp rope this year. We started hanging hemp ropes yeah. and, and putting preorbital on that. So for their preorbital glands. So when they're rubbing and licking up in there um, and uh, that's, it's really, really been working nice. We've been getting some great pictures. 
Yeah, it's just that I do believe that, like you said, they have those regular communi- communication uh, areas. With, and, and a lot of people would call it licking branches for, for years, but it was just, it happens to be in the prime spot. And it's just that branch that's a good social communication between actually the whole deer herd and probably tell the health of the deer herd, you know, just in some of those licking branches and that they're using year round. Um, yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I would know. There, see, there's a buck picture I got the other day of a nice eight coming right by my scrape. Yeah, I I see my stand just on the corner right. <laughs> yeah, George's, it says Georgie's spot. Yeah, <laughs> there's another there's another little spot. I got a nice little one coming through my my other scrape on the other side. So they 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 hit. I get pictures every day. I mean, it's that to me is what's really nice because it does a lot of my scouting for me. You know, well, last year I had. Um... It was actually the first time really of hunting over mock scrapes in a ground blind, which I've, I'm starting to do more and more. And I think you as well, you know, I hunt more of ground blinds than I did in the past when I was younger, everything was hanging in a tree, but I actually found down here that, you know, some of these spots uh, and because it's so hilly and, and the coolies and way the wind it's, the wind is really messed up a lot of times. And because you have a lot of deer sooner or later, you're going to get busted. And uh, if you have a good buck in your area, worst thing you want to hear before that last light is, you know, some doe stomping her feet and winding you for about the last 15 minutes. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. I found with the ground blinds that uh, it helped me fight, especially with my ozonics, really becoming foolproof in, in my scent and the importance of getting in and out. But it was really cool because it's the first time I really set up a good mock. I had a beautiful mock scrape. And actually what I did is I put it right next to the the scrape where they normally, it's a historically, that's a spot, it's a great tri- travel corridor. There's always a scrape there, but I added a uh, bigger scrape next to it. And then they ended up leaving their scrape and started utilizing my scrape. And the cool thing is, is watch these bucks when you're in a, blind and they're about 10 yards from you and they get up on their hind feet you know and you're sitting there on the ground it didn't really wasn't that impressive when you're sitting in a tree stand but now when you're on ground level and that deer climbs and gets way up on his hind feet especially you got a decent buck it's pretty uh pretty cool intimidating but yeah it's awesome yeah yeah. i shot my kansas buck on out uh out of a ground blind last year 20 15 yards 20 yards yeah and then he walked right by my right right by the blind i could have smacked him on the rear with the arrow and it, uh, it just gets it, right. it just gets your heart thumping and i was shaking i actually had to stop and talk to myself now settle down just take a breath he's gonna be okay he's gonna because i had deer coming in these scrapes all day and i and uh, donovan told me there was a really nice aid in there and uh he uh, he was just a nice old six seven year old deer and i said you know i he's that's that's awesome so he came in but i when they're that close and uh that old heart just starts thumping and you start i mean you can hear me on the tv show on respect the game you can hear me i'm i'm breathing heavy (laughs) so you had to i had to actually just all right settle down it's it's gonna be okay and you know if i ever lose that george i'll quit hunting you know what a hundred percent and and that's that you're at that ground level view yeah it's just you know, I'm so close. I can't make a mistake. You know, he could probably hear my breath at the same token. You know, you fooled him. And and I think that's another thing, you know, in a tree stand, you can, you kind of know what you can get away with, but on that ground, 
you're at eye level and it's like they're aware of every you have to be aware even though i'm back in that blind that every movement i make oh they could hear you i mean i had mosaics up what's nice about a ground blind is you can actually open that up and make a flu like an airflow right and yep. put i i got i got my hanger and i'll hang my ozonics up in that in that top corner behind me or wherever the air is gonna you know be but he came straight down one of me he didn't smell me you know yep. which was nice so but uh yeah that's that's fun but yeah, <clears throat> scraping, if, if you know, it's a great thing to do during the summer. If you're, you know, if you're a passionate whitetail hunter and you want to see what's going on, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to, during the rut, you're going to see deer that you you don't know that's around because you're going to get other deer coming in and out of your area. But uh, those, those mock scrapes are just, just a great way to, you know, see what you got running around and you, you habitualize those deer into coming in and checking those scrapes. So as the rutting activity increases, you know, they're going to hit those scrapes off more often and, you know, it, it can help get you an opportunity. Yeah. I can remember a few years back. I mean, we were banging mock scrapes uh, for a long time and I remember hunting Southern Illinois. And I remember uh, went down there and uh, they had the special woods that they never hunted the forbidden woods, but they allowed me to go in there. This was the first year I was so pumped. So I go in there and I established my mock scrapes right away. And uh, it was tough because it started warming up and the wind was out of the south. And I mean, it just, it was, I just didn't want to take a chance of, of being in the wrong wind. But uh, scrapes were the overhanging branch because that's the most important thing. If you really want to kill someone's scrape, don't pee in it, break his overhanging branch. Yeah, they want that licking branch. That's for sure. Yeah. And you, you basically can ruin that. I've seen peeing in scrapes and watch deer come in and scrape right over it, but um, it's not a practice I suggest. To maybe to Larry and, and Ryan, but, uh, um, yeah, I get enough trouble with them guys. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need any more problems with uh, Larry Mack and Ryan. But I, at that time, you know, I had a friend who raised uh, uh, whitetails and I used to get the urine straight from his bucks. And, uh, you know, I have a, I'd have it in the refrigerator in a gallon and I used a spray bottle a lot. And the most important thing to me, and I learned this years ago from a guy named Roger Rathar, took me under his wing, and and he was kind of one of my heroes. And Roger wrote a couple of books in pursuit of trophy whitetails, and and the other one is hunting trophy whitetail. But anyway, he um, he was talking about how deer like fresh earth, and if you see scrapes and stuff yep. like that. You, know, you you dig that top soil just we had our pond dug here and then, then we bulldoze and it's like you know it's exactly right when all that fresh dirt you'd see the next day all those deer tracks down in there yeah, yeah so, if you if you disturb the earth they're gonna the the deer they that's an attractant they they want to check they're deer are very curious and social critters i mean they just are so if you if you open that ground up and they smell that disturbed earth they're going to come in and check it out they're, he's exactly right and that's what I did. I, you know, I, I have a little hatchet with a claw on the other end. I had my old scrape kit, carried yeah. all that. I used string also. If I didn't have an overhanging branch, I'd use my extended pruners, pull down a branch and tie it. And, and or I have um, nailed branches to trees. And I had a little ordeal that I made up with dowel rods that I would put coming out of a tree to make my own scrapes and stuff. But I would start now, but getting that dirt off there, and, and you take that and loosen and then you get that loose earth and you can smell that loose earth as it comes up. And I would just spray the, the buck pee right in there. And I'm telling you, I sprayed the overhanging branches with buck pee and um, it would take no time. And my scrapes would get taken over. And like you said, you'd start them early in the year 
And if you started, you know, I could start in September and August and have my mock scrapes. And I can guarantee you by the second week of September, there's going to be some new rubs come open around my scrapes that I, you know, they're starting to spend some time there. They're getting a little active and, and they'll start scraping and rubbing around your, you know, they'll hit your scrape, but they'll start rubbing. And yeah. the more that intensifies, the more rubs, that's when you know that, Hey, this is getting good. And then that scrape, I'll definitely just buck look, you know, urine is what I'm using. And I'll just keep putting it once they get, find that scrape. And I was getting big old turds in that scrape like this. And I did find another spot. I was scouting midday to take a stand down. And I had I noticed that they had the CRP. They didn't farm anything in the one corner of this woods. And the first time I went down to Illinois, I had a in this uh it leads up to the bedding area, but it's a little island that went out there and I made my scrapes and first opening morning I had a nice poking young buck sticking his nose in the scrape just as it was turning daylight. Well, as I walked in there. I jumped a doe in front of me and then I looked and saw a big rack go over the hill. So I sat up on him and and I was gonna hunt the uh the forbidden woods and and I did hunt it that evening um with the wind finally right. And I had a you know, and I looked in and at the top of that scrape, the overhanging branch I made, it kept getting less and less, and it just beat the heck. Big big tracks, big turds. Well, I get watching and here comes this little button buck behind me and he goes, and he gets into that scrape and he goes up on his hind feet, starts hitting his head and knocking the crap out of that scrape. But he did something that I've never witnessed before. He got down like a dog when he gets in a dead animal or another, some other animal's feces and how they roll in it. But this this button buck would roll his shoulder in it and rub his body and do a flip, rub his neck and his shoulders. And he just kept, I had him doing a flip, rubbing into that buck pee. And and, uh, all of a sudden he, uh, he heard something. He looks towards uh, the right and I'm looking and all of a sudden he just takes off running darts. He goes behind me about 60 yards and a big, huge buck walked in, took him forever to get to me. The lighting, it was starting to get dark. And um, I just knew that I wasn't going to take a chance of bumping him or trying to get spotted or shooting him. It was too late. But in the next morning, you know, get a move and I, and I get one good crack at that deer. And of course, I went to that other spot where I saw the big buck. And I ended up killing him and he was a 160 inch eight point. But the mock scrapes is no matter where you're at, it, it's the white tails have that same philosophy, you know, the same uh, genetic structure of wanting to rot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They want to get it on when it's time to do that. That's for sure. You know, during the rut, too, um, we use uh, white. I use white lightning, which is uh, the doe estrus. And I'll drag I'll put that on a drag rag with me when I go in and out. And then I'll actually run either the white lightning dust or I'll run a white lightning cartridge in that wind scent unit. Um, You know, and I'll I'll have that up. Uh, Dave Smith is uh, they got some neat stuff coming out. I can't say what it is now, but next year I'm going to. I'm going to be doing something a little different next year with my buck decoys. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Deal. Well, I'll use a decoy. Like I said, um, doesn't work all the time. Doesn't work every time, but I, I mean, George, the last four or five years, I've had some tremendous opportunities on some big mature bucks. And, uh, that, that DSD is the one, um, I Donovan down in Kansas where I hunt. Let me, I used one of those for the first time, probably six, seven years ago. And what sold me on it was I put it out 
And I, I had does actually feeding up to it, next to it, in the Milo. I mean, just right next to it. And ones, again, I won't say the name of the company because I don't want to be that way, but I've had deer blow at it. They'd look at it. They wouldn't come in. It was noisy. It just it, I, it just didn't work. And I got down and threw it in the creek. I, I didn't want to mess with it anymore. But when I saw them does coming in there feeding to it, I said that I was pretty impressed. And I think I had five or six bucks come in and knock my decoy down. It got to be annoying after a while, to be honest with you. I had to climb down, uh, you know, move my cameras because I'm self-filming for the show, set the decoy back up, get back in the stand, set everything back up. I'd do like five or six times. And after a while, I said, this is getting ridiculous. But I'm just telling you, that that just adds another level of excitement to your hunt. I it's it's an amazing thing to see when it when it happens. You know, you brought up another good point too, and, and the reason I'm bringing it up because I I've done it myself. But I want to hear your recommendation. You said that you leave your decoy out there. Do you leave it out there for a week at a time? I mean, how long you know do you leave a decoy out there in case you're going to move it? I mean, if if Dan's going to go out there, and I guess it's how much you're going to hunt that that spot in the next couple of days. Well, but, I just know. I just leave it out there and hide it, and then if I'm going to if the if the wind's not right, or if I'm going to go to another stand, I'll just go grab it real quick and move it. Do you cover it up with anything or just move it behind? No, the no I cover it up. I got cedars on top of it. And every, I mean, I hide it really well because, you, you, I mean, those things aren't cheap and you don't want some, you don't want it walking away on you, you know, right. and you don't want to just leave it laying out there either because the mature bucks are going to come in there and beat the heck out of it too, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you, you want to cover it up, you know, with branches and hide it or I'll, I'll usually find a dead cedar tree and take the cedar limbs and cover that up and like make, put a cover it up so nothing can see it. And just mark it, you know, but uh, I definitely like leaving it out in the timber instead of leaving it in my truck because I know when I get to use it and set it up, it's going to smell like the woods. Yep, it's going to be out there. Good, good tip. Yeah. So uh, are you starting right now? You're just using your your uh, buck urine? Is that what you're using? On, on- uh, and and the, like the pictures I just showed you, I got premium buck dust in the scrapes right now. And then I got pre-orbital up in the hint on the hemp ropes above it off the licking branches. And then uh, on the trail, I went and uh, there's a there's another uh, 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 powder called Mesmerize, and I've been using Mesmer. I've been having really good luck. Uh, it's got kind of a licorice scent to it, and the deer have been really hitting that really good when they come in off the trail, and then they go about another 15 yards and they hit the scrape. So I'm put, I'm having really good luck with that setup. And you what know, and not every scrape, not every scrape works. I mean, just to be honest. You know, so don't, don't, if you, if you go out and put a mock scrape and nothing hits it, go about another hundred yards, 200 yards, try and find another trail or a pinch point or a travel corridor and try to establish a scrape there and try different scents. Don't be afraid to mix it up because it, it I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you everyone I put out has been active. I mean, it's probably 75, 80%, but you know, there's still that 20, 25% that, you know, it didn't take. I mean, that's every deer is different, right? And I'll tell you what, my experience, what I really recommend is, is the more um, overhanging branch you got, the bushier the branch, the more invitive you can make that branch, the more you'll see scrape activity. It's, you know, after you, 
after you get used to making mock scrapes and then all the scouting and seeing areas where scrapes are at, you know, you, I can almost, I'm sure you can walk in the woods or I can look in a field and pretty much look at my pinch points in certain areas and pretty much know where there's probably a licking branch. I can probably tell you where there's scrape going to be because they just kind of look for a certain particular type of, you know, well, ground communication. Yeah. And, and then with a bow like you and I, you know, it's one thing to be able to see it. But then we got to get that animal, you know, 20, 25 yards. And so you're looking at those pinch points. And, um, you know, that what I was trying to talk about in Illinois, there wasn't, uh, I got in that woods and there was a big rub. And there was a, a big buck using, he had a good rub line going. There wasn't one tree that was conducive to try to get up into hunting. And there was a, a, a multi-trunk tree that was down probably about 30 yards from what you'd call the perfect spot. And I told him in there, I said, I'm going to move this buck. You watch. I'm going to move his, I'm going to uh, change his pattern and I'm going to get him rubbing and scraping on my scrapes. And sure enough, uh, and just the short time we were there, it didn't take to the second or third day that buck started, um, you know, working and working into the woods and working to that tree. And in fact, until I put the, the, the friend in that tree and they missed it. But it was a huge, you know, high 160s buck. But you're able, if you just look at the pattern and know the lay of the ground and your wind, you can move those deer to to actually, you know, to change your pattern a little bit, only so that you can set up the ambush. And I think it's also good for the bucks that you got running a gauntlet, you know, who might not even be from your area. How many times you're, man, I never saw this buck till the morning I shot him. He just showed up. Yeah, I mean, you got your residential deer, and then right during the rut, you're going to get deer traveling a couple miles, if not more. And you know, you you're you just never know what's going to come down that trail, right? So, if you got a good scrape line or uh, a you know a pinch point there that you know you can get a lot of uh, opportunities, that's a good way to go. I like corners, a corner of a field. You know, uh, I, that's one of my favorite places to, to try to establish a scrape, and there's. You know, deer will always usually enter on a corner. Uh, if you ever notice that, there's always good trails on corners. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always good game trails in that area. So I always kind of look and see. And you know, during the summer, you know, I like to go. Um, there's two times I like to go scouting. One is right after deer season's over. I like to go and I'll walk from the food source all the way back to the bedding area. Because if you bump a buck, it doesn't matter. Season's over, and by a, a year from you know, 12 months later, that buck's not going to remember that. So, you know, and you can go and find secondary and, and, and trails that join that you might not even know that's there. I found one property, it looked like a wagon wheel. There was a, there was like a circle and then there was like trails intersecting. It like, it looked like a wagon wheel. It was crazy. So I, I put it, I marked that on my onyx. That's, that's a good spot. I'm going to try and put a stand there, you know, so back trailing and at right after deer season is a great time to do that. And then in June, when I go out and try to establish some scrapes, it doesn't hurt if you bump something, you know, but uh, once I get everything up and running and get my cameras up, I try to stay out of there as much as I can. That was a good point. And so um, what do you use for cover set? Uh, I mean, I'd besides. I just, I, I just, yeah, I just spray down with uh, my pure whitetail, you know, spray and uh, just uh, I, I take a shower. I, I, whenever I go in the woods, I always try to take a shower with a, with a scent, uh, scent free detergent. I treat it like a hunting situation. I wear my boots, I wear gloves, uh, and I go in and if I drive the Polaris in, you know, and then I'll walk the next hundred yards or whatever. And, you know, I always try to treat it like a, like a, like a hunting situation. Cause you know, I've had people tell me, well, I go, 
you know, I'm going to understand why I'm not seeing deer or, you know, the deer seem to be, seen, they know when I'm in there. And I, I said, well, tell me how you, when you get out there, when you put your cameras up, what are you doing? And they, they, you know, I get out of the truck. I just go grab my stuff and go. I said, are you changing your boots? No, I use the same boots. I said, well, have you ever smelled your floor mats on your truck? <laughs> Smell like gas, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you want to, you don't want to wear your, the same stuff that you're wearing in your vehicle. Ch change out to your, you know, your, your hunting boots. I keep those in the back of my truck and, you know, I keep them either in a, uh, a, a scent free bag or a tub. So I don't have any, um, I don't have any orders on there that I don't want. And then I'll spray my boots down the bottom of it when I'm walking in before I walk in and out. And like I said, I just treat it like a hunting situation. You're absolutely right. And and it's like, you know, especially I'm not knocking the shotgun guys, but you definitely see a lot more orange sitting in trucks together and, you know, that, uh, you know, it seemed well, like a hunter, bow hunters are always taking care of using the totes and trying to keep our scent down as we can. Well, it's a different hunt. I mean, you know, if you're a muzzleloader or a shotgun hunter, God bless you. There's, you know, I, I love all our hunters, uh, but you know, they, they can sit there and wait for a deer to be 150, 100 yards, 200 yards out, depending on the weapon they're using where, you know, we're trying to get that deer into an intimate distance, 20 yards or less, you know, so it's a different, it's a different philosophy or it's a different strategy. So that, you know, they don't have to take the uh, precautions that, you know, that if they're archery hunting that you have to. So you're doing your regular scouting. Um, October's coming on, you know, the first week was, you know, I saw quite a few deer all of a sudden and I'm hitting what we call that October lull. Gene Wenzel used to believe it's maybe it's if a lot of acorns are dropping and the deer happen to be back in the woods, guys aren't seeing them in the fields during that time yeah. and a lot of stuff. <clears throat> so when is the time that Dan's going to sit here and say, hey, I'm going from my buck urine today, I'm going to start going to the dough and heat. When do you know it's time to start using the dough and heat? I'll start using the, like uh, the white lightning stuff, the, the dough estrus. Uh, uh, I'll start using that October 25th, 26th. You know, you might get some early does coming in the heat uh, a little bit early, but, you know, October 25th of 26th, them big boys are usually up on their feet. They're up, they're scent checking, they're checking bedding areas They're they're going and checking their scrape lines and rub lines and they're daylighting. So, you know, um, even, you know, that time of year, I, I don't get excited about deer, getting really passionate about making an everyday hunt uh, until that. When I, you know, George, I'm sure a lot of folks folks can relate to this. When I mean, I when I first started hunting, it ate me up. I mean, I I, I mean, that's all I wanted to talk and do. I mean, it just that's I just went nuts, and you know, I I, I was lucky to make a living out off of it. But that concludes our first half of our podcast with Dan Young. Stay tuned for next week's podcast for more great information on mock scrapes. Legends are made of